It can be lonely at the top. We all know what it's like to lead and own a business and wanting to scale, but finding yourself at a glass ceiling. That is where the power of collaboration and connection comes in. Hi, I'm Natasha Milani. I'm an expert at helping businesses and business owners harness the power of collaboration to connect, scale and grow. I am passionate about collaboration. I believe that no one executes alone. We all do better when we do it together. Welcome to this Power of Collaboration podcast. It's wonderful to have you here. I hope you get the inspiration and information you need to harness the power of collaboration to break through your glass ceilings. Today, we're talking to Nick Tolley from Exus. Welcome, Nick. Thanks for having me, Tash. It's lovely to have you here. Nick's a very good friend of mine and one of the member companies from SA Leaders. And you've built a really interesting and successful business, Nick, in the industrial services industry. So let's just start with some background on who you are and an insight into Exus. I suppose my background is uh, construction and, and property industries. Worked in that for probably 15, 20 years. Uh, it ended up leaning into the property space with a local Adelaide business and I was made redundant in about 2011. Learned a lot over the journey about how to how to make things happen, construction sites and Property projects are notorious for strict deadlines and very high expectations. So upon being made redundant, uh, set out to find something to replace uh, my income and put some food back on the table. Um, I had in the back of my mind to drop by a business, uh, been looking for some years, but never, never really had a need to get a business and that was the push I guess I needed. So I took five or six months off. It wasn't a strict amount of time, it was a it was a sort of a forced period of time from, I think it was May 2011, uh, set about to locate a business or source and locate a business. I reckon we spent oh, the first two or three months just looking at everything that came up. We would have looked at 200 businesses within the first couple of months. Over the next couple of months, we sort of whittled it down, getting to DD, I suppose, on maybe... 30 or 40 businesses, getting it down to another sort of 10 or 12 at a reasonable level, then we narrowed it right down to four businesses. And ultimately, uh, the one we chose, I took some really good advice from our accountants uh, who were very supportive in the whole process and we uh, ended up landing on this one which suited a lot of my skills very well uh, as opposed to some of the others which were might have been more interesting to some people but just didn't suit what I could do. So we... Uh, mortgage the house and uh, had a go. So we'll talk a bit more about what Access does in a minute, but I love the fact that there's um, adversity brought an opportunity and you made the most of it. And I think there's a really interesting lesson uh, around your process, around exploring where you were going to, as you said, you put the mortgage the house, so you took a bit of risk and and put everything that you had on the line. Um, and you talked about the fact that you started searching across a number of different businesses and industries, I imagine, and went through that due diligence process. So I'm going to ask you a little bit more about what some of those things that you were looking at when you whittled down through that process. But just quickly, what is Exus? What do you do day to day? The fundamentals of Exus are to clean what is either really dirty or what no one else wants to clean. Uh, and fortunately, off the back of that, uh, we've developed some great relationships with uh, clients and that's led to opening up a huge number of other business business streams, uh, sort of leaning into property maintenance. 
Okay, great. So give us an example of something that no one wants to clean, Nick. Uh, bread and butter, if you like, is kitchen exhaust system cleaning. Um, and to clean a kitchen exhaust it typically would involve uh, a team of two guys running around at two o'clock in the middle of the night um, cleaning grease out of a, a piece of ductwork that's above a ceiling in a in a restaurant somewhere in the CBD or it might be at Sejuna. Right, so we're talking really grimy stuff and... Yeah, yeah, good stuff. It's great. And, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, but like stadiums and all the big sort of icons that people use all the time. Yeah, so uh, kitchen exhausts are everywhere. So restaurants uh, all around the place. We've got the sporting stadiums like Adelaide Oval. They've, they've, uh, they've uh, developed a fantastic business where they uh, not only service their own um, events, they outsource so their kitchens are running... Uh, flat out pretty well 24-7. So that's that's been a, a very good uh, relationship that we've developed. Fantastic. So going back to as you were assessing opportunities, you said you started with a wide net of about 200 businesses, filtered it down, went through that due diligence process, whittled it down to four. What what were you looking for back then? What, was, what eliminated some and what caught your eye with others? Oh, there's some pretty basic limitations. One was financials, so we we obviously needed to replace a, a salary. So that was a that was a pretty basic fundamental. You need to generate a amount of income. Uh, I understood how much equity I was able to put into the deal, and that eliminated a large number of businesses as well. I was very keen on finding something that had that either had an interest in or aligned very well with my my skills, and uh, and. There wasn't really a lot around, so there's plenty of plenty of fantastic businesses out there which which might suit other people and their skills, but it was actually fairly limited what what would either interest and or and or suit me, um, uh, with the financial limitations that I I'd put on it. So some great businesses out there which you know we saw come and go, which you know, might have been great, just wouldn't have suited us. So size wise, number of staff, locations of office. Capital investment was probably the biggest one. Um, there's many businesses out there which we just couldn't afford. So we picked one which we knew had an opportunity to, to develop into something far bigger. So some of the businesses we looked at were, were quite constrained in the amount they could grow, whereas others were, were uh, an open opportunity, which is why we chose Access. And I think um, it's a really unique formula that's come together and bode you well, and you've grown the business nationally which is, you know, congratulations on the success you've achieved and including you started with about six people and yep. now at 170 people. Yep. That takes some good leadership skills. Just share with us, what's your leadership style, Nick? I suppose I, it was an event that happened probably seven or eight years ago with some friends and we were talking about um, how many phone calls that, that we had in a day and I guess uh, around the group, the other guys had sort of 20 or 30, 30 phone calls a day respectively and mine was 180. And I think that was a point, a bit of a light bulb moment they talk about where I realised I just can't do, I couldn't do everything uh, not, and I wasn't doing everything, that was the problem. So at that moment I realised that I needed to reinvest um, more time and, and obviously a lot more money into uh, building and developing a team of, of uh, very skilled, the best people I could find, uh, which is exactly what's happened. Uh, what comes with that also is the culture of the organisation. So um, you said you've put the best people together, leading by example. What kind of culture did you aspire to and have you developed within the business? Look, I'd just like it to be a place that people would like to come to work to. Mm. Uh, it's as simple as that. And we've, we've got some very good retention uh, in uh, all parts of the business, which I'm very proud of. 
to be honest. Yeah, that, that alone, talking to businesses, finding people, retaining people, managing people, skilling people is probably the number one and all derivatives of, of that people challenge. And you seem to have managed within an industry that is, as you said, no one really wants to do it. You've managed to retain people, grow. In our brief chat before we came in today, you said in the last two months you've recruited about 60 people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is incredible in this inv- current environment we're in. Maybe just one or two insights into what you've put in is in terms of maybe systems and processes or that cultural piece that makes you an employer of choice. Job security is a, is a big one for a lot of our uh, staff. They come from industries or other jobs where there might not have been the security or opportunities to grow. We offer full progression. Uh, we set out very clearly how people can come into the business as a trainee technician and work their way up to uh, effectively general manager. So by way of example, our national operations manager started as a technician seven years ago. So we offer a a full career path for our employees, which I think's been a big positive. Uh, In terms of the management team in the business, as the business has grown, it's given individuals the opportunity to grow up with the business as well. So someone who might've started five years ago has every opportunity to go up to manage a division of the business or a state or region or a, a, a new implement a new system or whatever it might be or run our own team. The, the lesson from that is that, you know, to, re, to retain people and to build a team, they're the types of opportunities, you know, you, you, you need to offer. So thank you for sharing that. One of the questions I do like checking in with and, and, and asking around is sort of how as you've grown the business, that that strategy piece in terms of formally developing a strategy, organic growth. I know you've got, you uh, mentioned earlier that you've put in a a board, Mm. um, an advisory board Mm. that guides you with your strategic decisions. What does strategy look like or what does the formal planning around the growth of the business look like for Exus? So the business has grown roughly Roughly 20% per year since um, since 2012 when we took it over. Most of that growth has been, uh, using the word organic, uh, it's just through, through effort of going out, talking to clients. It got to a point in about 2015 or 2016 where we realised that um, we're kind of big in Adelaide, um, but a lot of the clients we wanted to, to touch would only deal with people that were national. Uh, so it was at that point where the business made a decision to uh, open an office in, in Brisbane with the purpose of, of appealing more to national client base. Mm-hmm. We had some limited success with that. And in 2008, 17, 18, we invested a huge amount of time talking with alternative clients or other national clients to see what opportunities might be for other national contracts and eventually um, one of those came off and off the back of that it's, uh, we've managed to open up offices in in all states bar Tasmania um, off the back of a relationship with grilled hamburgers. Great story and I guess that will, this uh, topic of this uh, podcast is the power of collaboration. That's a great segue into collaboration. So that collaboration with a customer, a client, national client, led to your significant growth in the business. Yeah, so it was a part of our strategy was to get a national business and and yeah, the confidence that uh, Grilled Healthy Burgers had in our business enabled us to, to open nationally. So 
uh, many thanks to them for their putting their faith in us because it was a it was a big leap and we opened up four offices in the week that COVID hit Australia. So and they man- their business managed to continue through the the last two or three years, um, and you know, we've managed to continue well off the back of that. And just on COVID, what has COVID done to the industry and your business in terms of I guess it's opened. Um, a lot of opportunities, but there been would have been challenges at the same time. Yeah, so initially we lost roughly forty percent of our business. So uh, yeah, roughly forty percent disappeared over, overnight, uh, with all the hospitality and uh, restaurants and sporting facilities and the like all closing up. There was concern over people wouldn't be able to afford paying their bills, so the business really took a took a very large hit. Uh, that sort of drifted on for a few months and then gradually it sort of started opening up again and people realised that people still had to eat and still had to go out and still had to do things and get things done and the business gradually picked up over the next sort of 12 months and then the last six months it's been a pretty rapid growth with the, the COVID response which has been a fairly large part of our more recent growth as well. Yeah, I, I'm guessing that um, that side of the business would have been new and an opportunity there in that terms of that COVID cleaning, I guess, became a thing. Yeah, well, th- th- we had a reputation for a, a long time for for uh, high quality sanitisation and cleans, you know, working with hospitals and medical facilities around the state and some interstate. So the techniques that we developed uh, in servicing older clients or existing clients was exactly the same as the COVID cleaning uh, work that we do. So for us to shift into COVID cleans was actually what we did anyway. It was just a lot more of it. So we really struggled early on getting staff. So back on the on the, the question around uh, what was the effect on the business with, with lack of uh, interstate and international visitors, we really struggled to get, get staff. Uh, we were getting almost no job applicants, job applications at all. We were lucky to get five a month, whereas you know three years ago we were getting maybe 50, 100 a month. Um, that's bounced back in the last six weeks. We're now getting reasonable numbers applying for jobs again, which has enabled us to, to keep up with the demand for getting work done. It's interesting. An industry that we um, sort of started by talking about no one wanted to do is now something that we really need and everyone needs and everyone is a part of, mm. as we've seen this shift responding to COVID. Mm. Um, Going back to collaboration, so you gave us a great example of your collaboration with a client, Mm. Grilled, that took you national. Have you got any other examples of collaboration? I suppose there's two. One, I suppose, is uh, directly with my own staff. We've got some unbelievable people that work work for the business who clearly have the same vision across the board, which is, you know, without, without that alignment, you know, across the business, there's no way we would have been able to grow to the extent that we've grown. So, you know, collaboration with our staff has been the number one thing that's enabled the business to do what it's done. Secondly to that, I've been fortunate enough to been exposed to a number of different business groups, SO Leaders being one of them, and I've learnt to be pretty good at asking questions or when I need help understanding who to ask and what to ask and then quite good at filtering out when I get a wrong answer. Sometimes people would do their best to help and think they're helping, but being able to sift through that to make sure you get the right answer is is a, is a real trick. I think you are a very instinctive leader and that vulnerability piece when you know even just to ask the question in the first place, mm. I think that's critical because if you don't ask, you don't get the mm. information. Yeah, look up Gestalt Protocol. 
It's good. Okay. Yeah. Is that it? We're not going to get any more? <laughs> Just look it, look it up. <laughs> it's, okay. Yeah, it's something it, for everyone to, to search. I'm definitely not the best person to explain it, but it's uh, the concept is that if I ask you a question, if you don't haven't experienced that or don't have a direct experience with solving that question or an answer for that, don't bother. So, you know, if you go and ask your mum or dad about yeah. you know, the problem you've got in your business, they'll tell you some wonderful ideas, but they don't know your business. They, 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 oh, that's probably a bad example about your parents, but don't ask someone that you know has no experience in what you do and expect a good answer. I love that. That's why SA Leaders, we have all our fantastic industry experts who are the experts in their, their particular area of expertise. But that's actually what makes perfect sense to me. I wanted to pick up on something else you talked about, collaboration. I don't think anyone has answered the question that I've asked about collaboration and talked about collaboration with staff. Mm. We talk about culture, we talk about team building, but collaboration with staff, I just think that's a penny drop. That's very powerful. And you talked about you've offered that career pathway. Can you talk more about collaboration with staff? Because I think I think that's instinctive in what in you as a leader, and you've built that in in the organisation. Yeah. Okay. So it's probably goes further than collaboration with with staff. It's I suppose it's the collaboration with the very close business group. So Isabel and I own the own the business, and you know we're the ones that saw it from the from the very start, and we built a really strong team around us, and we continue to communicate really closely with everybody in that team. So for example, my senior management team operations and general managers, we, we would talk on the phone two or three times a day, if not more. So it's a very open line of communication, which is effectively a no surprise situation. You, know, you, you don't want surprises when, with people in those types of roles. So I collaborate very directly with those guys on day-to-day issues. And I collaborate uh, very closely with Isabel, my wife. She's still very involved in the business and understands very clearly how it all works, but has the ability to look at it from a very different angle from someone that's right inside the business. And then externally from that, we've got some very good financial advisors who uh, we communicate with very, very regularly and form our board as well. So making sure you've got the right people to collaborate with and then talking very closely with them, uh, keeping everybody up to date with things pretty well as they happen. Uh, if you leave things too long, people get lost and people miss out. So close communication has probably been the key to building the strength in understanding each other. And isn't it interesting because communication is one of those basic fundamentals, yet get it wrong and it has big impact. Yeah, get it wrong or don't do it. you you just, you just got to communicate. Communication, let, let's leave that as the final point for everyone to ponder as they think about how they're communicating with their key people and stakeholders and clients in their own business. Mm. Thank you, Nick. I just think that that was very insightful. There's a couple of nuggets there for those listening. And um, I think what you've built in that business to be commended on. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Tash. Been fun. At SA Leaders, we're all about collaboration and community. If you're curious to know more about how we help businesses and leaders just like you to scale and grow beyond the glass ceilings, then visit our website at www.saleaders.com.au. And please don't forget to subscribe, share this podcast with your network and write a review if you really enjoyed it. This has been an Audiosity production. I'm Natasha Milani. I look forward to chatting with you next time. Happy connecting.